Happy freaking October. Happy October, witches. Spooky bitches. All you spooky bitches out there. Grab your mugwort. It's the best time of the year. We've been waiting since November 1st of last year. (laughs) And now we can let our freak flags fly. Even more than we already do every day and every week. (laughs) We haven't stopped. We haven't stopped freaking. No, we haven't. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two girls. And we are your hosts, your ghostesses. Whoa, that was a weird way to do it. That is Corinne. Hello. I am Sabrina. And that's Leia. And that's Leia. I am currently packing up my apartment. We are pre-recording a bunch of episodes so that we can go on tour for our Conjuring House excursion. Yes. But I'm packing up my apartment because we're leaving soon. And I rediscovered these bangs. So if you're watching on YouTube, I didn't cut my hair. I'm just wearing my fake bangs. These are from my costume when I was, what was her name? Jenny from Girl with the Green Ribbon, that book. They do match your hair perfectly. They they oddly do. And I brought them out on Campfire Stories a few weeks ago. And people were like, yuck, don't ever do that. And so I was like, okay, I won't. But I thought, you know, before I probably toss them and not bring, well, maybe, I don't know. I'm... I'm back and forth with like, do I just throw them out because I'll probably never wear them again or like donate them or do I keep them and occasionally wear bangs that don't look good? I say keep them. They don't look bad. You just look like a- They do look look bad. No, you look so young. Well, it doesn't help that I just put my hair in pigtails because it was crazy and unruly and super, super humid here. Okay. But more importantly, let's move on. Because you have stories to tell me. We do. And I have a couple things to tell you too. Great. Great. You have given me, along with other people, we have a few listeners who have sent me a Grow a Bigfoot, which I have packed and I will grow in my new house. But before I pack anything else away, I was like, I need to grow a Bigfoot. And I was like, this is a genius idea for me to do it right now when we record this episode because we're recording another one tomorrow. And I was like, by then my Bigfoot might be grown. So Sabrina, you gifted me this Grow a Bigfoot from a stump. You just add water. So it comes in this stump right here. If you're looking on on the good old uh, YouTube. YouTube, there's a, a wee stump here. And it says you plop it in water and you leave it in water. What's the like material of this stump? It's like plastic. There we go. I feel like we're doing a science experiment. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble, firebird and cauldron bubble. Bigfoot, you will grow from this stump. So here's the stump, and we will check back tomorrow after 24 hours to see if anything has emerged from the stump. Your boyfriend. The love of your life. My boyfriend. It's girl boyfriend. It's girl Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) So I told you that I haven't been sleeping for like five days, and that is true because for the month of October, I was like, oh, I need to choose something really scary for one of the episodes. Oh, no to research because it's the month of October and I feel like that's just the time to do it as if we couldn't do it all other 51 weeks of the year. But I was like, I picked out what I was going to do because we had been told by other people that it was one of the most haunted- The doll? Objects. Yes. Okay. So when we were talking to Em and Christine from That's Why We Drink, 
M was talking about when they covered, I'm like nervous. I'll say the name one time and then I won't say it again. Peggy the doll. And now they call her PTD because so many people experience these like really horrible hauntings and traumatic things after looking at pictures of her, after listening to things about her, episodes about her, research about her, reading about her, all of that. Anyway, the past five days, I was like, oh, I'm going to start my research on this doll and I'm going to do it in the month of October. Ever since I added her, like created a Google Doc and started to kind of like put some research in and start it, I have had the most vivid and horrific and gruesome dreams. Like literally, I'm going to give a trigger warning right now because I'm not going to say all the details of the dreams, but like they are the most horrific thing I could ever imagine. So trigger warning right now, skip forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear. But like one of the nights I had a dream that I was being brutally raped. Another time it was like I lived in a glass house and people were stalking me the whole time. What? Another time my whole family was getting like literally ripped limb from limb. Like they are, it was like the most horrifying, like the grossest. I'm surprised I didn't just faint in my own dream, but so, so, so bad. Like, and they all started after researching. Yes. Yes. And it's not like a moment of dream. It's like the whole night. I can't get out of it. If I wake up, I go back. Is that what we're recording tomorrow? No, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm skipping it. Oh, you're <gasps> at least for now. I can't do it. Well, okay. I, maybe I'll do it next year, but I was like, this is a sign that I sure as hell shouldn't do it when we're about to get on planes, trains, and automobiles <laughs> for two months straight. I'm like, I am not doing this. So anyway, I haven't been sleeping because I've been having literally the worst nightmares of my life, like all night long. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Where is that doll located at, at this point in time? I don't know. I didn't even get that far. Because I, I really feel like that's something Greg and Dana Newkirk could handle. We put a lot of trust in them. I, th I think there's a lot of other collectors too, which should I Google it right now? Where? I'm nervous. I, I've been avoiding looking at it. Why don't we set some intentions real quick? Okay. As you keep doing it. <laughs> you set them. Okay. Well, you have to be a part of it. You can't just like not be setting them. <laughs> Corinne. Oh, guess where it is. Boston? No. Oh, I don't know. Florida? Zach Bagan's museum. Oh, of course. Should we go when we're in Vegas? <laughs> oh my God, maybe. I feel like there's no other time I'd ever be in Vegas. So perhaps. I kind of feel like we should. That's the opportunity to do it. If we have time, let's, I'll, I'll do it. I'll sign the waiver. I'll go look at the things. I'll set the intention. I'll bring all my black tourmaline and yeah. obsidian with me. Yes. We have to pack all of our crystals. Yeah. So I've been having like literally the worst visions in my mind every night. And so I'm not going to research it anymore because I felt like that was a big F you to the universe or to this doll or to whoever might be trying to look out for me and warn me against looking into this. Because I was like five nights in a row. That's too much. When did you stop researching and when did you have a nightmare last night too? Yes. Okay. We need to, I'm going to come visit you in the astral plane because I actually just got some mugwort, which is supposed to help with astral traveling. Ooh. And when we were, when you were over here in the spring, we picked up some crystals when we were in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And some of those were also supposed to help with your like mm -hmm. astral self. Yeah. So now you've got just like a power. Are you putting them in like a bag or something and underneath their pillow or? No, I put them next to my bedside table, like on my bedside table. Has anything else happened? No, no, actually. Okay. So a couple of things. So this is October 1st. This episode comes out on October 1st. 
last October, we maybe foolishly and daringly decided to cover all possession, demonic, dark entity type of stories. Mm -hmm. If you remember, it did not turn out great for us. Nope. We had some haunting experiences, but honestly, none of them sound as bad as the nightmares that you've been having. So I think it's good that you're not doing. You could research this thing and see if you're stronger against it. Should I try? Yeah, try. Try. Okay, I'll try and see what happens. Okay. But so this month of October, we aren't outwardly... We didn't, you and I, discuss like, oh, let's do possessions again. No. I inwardly... (laughs) Have you not seen the Excel? I I think my next topic is like a curse or possession. So I'm kind of dabbling again. Sorry, Corinne. (laughs) Okay, so you can see... Yeah, see see if you can figure out this doll thing because maybe it will work out for you if you haven't already picked what you're going to do. Okay, I'll try. Here's the thing. I figured you always... If October comes, I know to be prepared for you to choose (laughs) the darkness. (laughs) And really, every week it's a toss-up. It's like, what what will Sabrina choose? It's either something extremely historical with figures like that or it's it's dark. Well, today is a little bit of both. It's death. Okay, great. Lovely. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Well, okay, before we get into that, I want to say one story. So okay, this past weekend, I had an emotional encounter in my personal life and had like a tough day. I get a text from Taylor from Creeps and Crimes, and I'm going to read it to you. Did Taylor pick up on the vibes or something? Yes. She's so powerful. She's so powerful. Okay, where is my text? She said, hi, friend. Um, Well, okay, I had reached out to her and asked if she wanted to be my stylist for the tour. (laughs) (laughs) Stylist for the tour? We're wearing the same thing on stage every night. Okay, well, like travel outfits, (laughs) streetwear. (laughs) I'm wearing sweats, baby. (laughs) So she was like, hi, friend. Are you still interested in making some fit boards and pulling pieces? I said, yes. Can we touch base this week? And she said, no rush at all. Uh, It's been so crazy over here this last month, and there's been some weird energy shifts Susan told me. But she also told me to check in with my energy-sensitive people, and I've been hearing your name, and I heard it immediately. So this is a check-in. How are you? And I was like, whoa, this filled me with so much love. I had a rough morning. I'm okay. Energy has been so off this last week. And she was like, so off, no joke. Good. I'm glad that I texted at the right time. Your name has been in my ear for like the last week, like a humming. But this morning, it's all I've been able to think about. Sabrina, that is wild. But so she was saying, so now Taylor and I are having conversations about she is accepting and processing and moving forward, trying to get her gates a little bit more open for spiritual connections after having closed them for a year. And she's like, damn, I forgot how loud my higher self is. But it's the time of year where all of us witchy girls wake up and are forced to get uncomfy. And so Taylor's on this journey with us, Corinne. Yeah. You know who else is? Jerry and Sierra. Of course. If no one here is listening to Ladies and Tangents, you should, because Jerry's getting some downloads. Sierra's getting some premonitions. Everybody's waking up. It's the time of the year where we're all tapping in. I officially have survived my Saturn return, and I am connecting to the other side and to my higher self in so many ways. Um, mugwort is just one of many. I'm going to delay my journey. I'll just say I'm delaying it slightly because there is a lot of nervousness from me about being around so many people and energies in different places while on tour and talking about everything that happened at the Conjuring House and all these hauntings. So I will be closed off until November 4th. 
Thank See, you. I feel like you say <laughs> that, but this is almost the perfect time. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I feel like you and I should be doing like at night, you and I are going to like seance in our bedrooms. I'm going to hold hands with you and we're going to like speak to our higher powers, call upon our ancestors. I do a lot of my my manifesting already, but really it's just sort of like the premonition clairvoyance side of me that I've probably closed off a few years ago that I'm not ready to reopen until. Fair. Until I'm a little more solidly protected and not just like about to be so sleep deprived and open and vulnerable. I think I should balance it out. I'll be the vulnerable one of us. I'll be the spooky haunted bitch. (laughs) Here's the thing, Sabrina, I I worry about you every day. But the fact that now Taylor's hearing your name too. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The whole, all of the universe is coming together to be like, let's make sure Sabrina is, is good. I'm good. Let's make sure that she's she's fine. She's good. She's protected. And she's tapping into the energies and being around the people that she should be. Uh, here's my manifestation. Oh, I hate bangs. Take them off. They keep getting in my eyes. <laughs> They're literally fake. <laughs> no, I've committed. You gotta wear it the whole time. <sighs> They're gonna okay. be like sweat, like matted to my forehead by the end of this episode. <laughs> Well, with all of that being said, and these journeys ahead for all of us in October, our favorite month of the year, the spookiest month of the year, I have a very fascinating episode to share with all of you. Okay. I'm excited for this. Because there is one thing, one thing that unifies the entire human race. One thing that each of us has in common no matter what we cannot ignore it nor avoid it nor evade it it is terrifying and unpredictable it is death Mm. all of us are born and then we are bound to meet the same fate death decay loss of life and while it unifies us it also perplexes us and plagues us because it's scary we fear it and we always will and always have so While this podcast, Two Girls, One Ghost, is primarily about death, in case you forgot where you were, Two Girls, One Ghost, hi, (laughs) it's us. Um, Pretty much every episode touches upon it. Yes, we would not have the paranormal world without death. But this episode is all about death itself. Because in history, we have personified death. Ladies and gentlemen, living and dead, we present to you death and primarily today, the Grim Reaper. In my research, I found, and I really want to title the episode this, Memento Mori. It is a reminder of the inevitability of death. Oh, wow. Not to bring up Puss in Boots again. (laughs) (laughs) But but I I really do want you to watch Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, because the whole thing is the Grim Reaper. And it's all these messages. I feel like you're about to tell me and this whole episode is basically about to be the plot of Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots already wish. told you about this, so you don't need it to listen. It already did. So I can just, I'll just sit back. I'll really relax. I'll absorb it again puss. a second time. All right. You picture Puss in Boots. I'll mm-hmm. hold my black little kitty. Great. Oh. Who actually, as I was researching this episode, I was like, Grim would be such a cute name for her. Oh, Grim is so, what, could that be her middle name? Because I love Soot. 
Soot grim. I do too, but when you say soot too many times, it like becomes one of those words that's like it loses its meaning and you get confused by it. Couldn't grim be I feel like that's the same with every word. But I get I get that soot is like yeah, you're like, am I saying it right? Soot. Soot. Because we don't say it much. We don't hear it much. Yeah. Yeah. Let me make sure she didn't run away. Soot. But it's a special word. It is a special word. It's unique. It's rare. Like grim or grimoire. I don't know. I just think it's so cute. It is very cute. Well, you not you just need to get a black cat. Like you say Leia doesn't want a fellow a fella cat, but like if you're if you're already fostering up well, that took me. I was I stumbled through that sentence because I was looking for the word fostering the whole time in my head. But if you're already fostering, you already have a cat. So may as well just commit to the whole thing. I know, and I love her, but it's hard with us going on tour. We'll yeah. see. Could someone else foster her for two months and then you yeah. take her? Yeah. Not to pressure you into another cat, but... Everyone keeps saying that they hope it's a foster fail. Okay, you're so cute. She is so cute. And I also, I think... So we'll get into this more in this episode. But death personified, I think, is very much a way for us as humanity to cope and try to understand what death is and what comes after life. And so in this episode, I very much learned that... Death can appear in many different ways. The Grim Reaper is now today one of the more traditional appearances of death. But I like to imagine that my Grim Reaper would appear as a black kitten, ushering me from this side of the world or earth or realm to the other side. So sweet. It really could be anything. It is kind of odd that we have the imagery of someone cloaked in like a black cloak with the whatever it's called that staff what's it called the scythe the scythe and that is who comes to basically bring you into death but the imagery of bringing you into life is not a person or anything like that i feel like at least here in america we're like a bird drops you off (laughs) in a fabric sack and then you're here well birth is not as scary as the unknown of what happens after you die yeah because if we believe in reincarnation here, it's at that point, probably you as a soul, you understand what's about to happen because you signed up for it again. Exactly. But then you forget. But death, you, you, you forget your eyes throughout your life. And you go, whoa. Forget again. What is this? Whoa. Whoa. But yes, I'm about to tell you why we have the imagery that we do. And so in the course of this episode, while researching, I saw the term memento mori. Memento mori is Latin for memory of death, reminder of death. Great. I'm just going to be more of a bit for a moment and remind everyone, Corinne, those damn bangs, <sighs> girl. I, they are the worst. You did it to yourself. <laughs> okay, continue. Ignore me. We have we have editing. The video can be on you. It's impossible to ignore to you as you're of my... literally like crossing your eyes. and They're in my eyeballs. Put it back higher. Yeah, but then it's like you can already see where my like normal hairline is. I'm trying to make them look real. They do look real. They do. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to be morbid for just a moment and remind everyone who's listening. Hi. Hello. I hope your life is going great. Death is upon us. Oh. Each second we approach closer to death and went the month of October stretching its spookiness into our bones, so too is death. We are closer to it this month than any other month. Because we are closer to the other side. But you're alive today, baby. Baby. 
and you chose to listen to this podcast in your living moments. So thank you. Shout out to you and to all the haunted dolls out there listening to Two Girls, One Ghost. Please don't give people nightmares. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. PSA. Death lurks behind every corner. We are living and yet at the same time, we are dying. <laughs> that is weird that the second that we are born, we are actively dying. Mm -hmm. It's a miracle every time we take a vitamin, every time we take a bite of food, every time we walk outside, every time we wake up in the morning that we're alive. Yeah. So much could kill you at any moment. Yeah. We're constantly trying to survive whether we're aware of it or not. Which is why death is so scary is because at least with birth and with coming into the world, we have science and understanding of how that happens. Mm -hmm. mommies and daddies when they love each other give each other a hug and poof you're born a pelican drops you off um, <laughs> a pelican i like this version isn't it it's a stork oh <laughs> <laughs> but i like a pelican it's a, it's whatever you want you know like it's a chickadee's your favorite bird a chickadee will come and a, a whole a gaggle of chickadees a gaggle of chickadees a hundred um, chickadees a raven a murder of a raven crows. dropped you off sabrina I, murder I, of crows. I believe a murder of crows are the ones who dropped me off. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I feel like I look very crow-like right now. I like my it's hair is black hair. darker. I'm wearing a black sweatshirt. So this episode is going to be filled with memento mori. It's little reminders of death, stories, legends, and death. So I'm going to begin with a story or a mori. I like calling it a mori. It is called Three Living three dead. It is a story that has been told through various cultures, various regions in the world, and in various languages. It dates back to at least the 13th century. It's a medieval tale written mostly in poetry and illustrated in artistic visages around the world. So as the story goes, there were three men of royal decree. They set out into the woods. They adorned the emblems of their family names and wielded swords and weapons of which they were prepared. Nay, hungry to use. They were on a hunt. Boar, deer, whatever creature they were to see, they sought to kill. It was a tradition, a festivity or an activity to pass the time. But actually, it was much more than that. Because these men were of a social status beyond the realm of many possibilities. They were as close to God as any living being could be. But they still desired a reminder of their power their humanity. They could exert and thrive in the feeling of their mightiness by taking the life of something beneath them. Animals so wild, so violent that they were never to be tamed. But these three men, they had the tools, they had the power to dominate. So the three men continued into the woods, their eyes peeled for the animals between the trees. When suddenly, and this is a quote from one of the poems, shooken out of a shaw, which means darting out of a wood, came three terrifying images. Before them, the three men saw wisps of something unearthly. Startled, eyes alert, hearts racing. What was that? They asked. Then again, movement. And they realized this is no animal. No. And in fact, there's more than one. There were three. Now they could see them more clearly. Walking towards them, cracking with each step, clunky, awkwardly upon foot, were three men who at first glance appeared to be wearing something very similar to the three men. And for a moment, it was as if they were peering into the reflective image 
flash back by a mirrored surface. But these three things that we're approaching were different in one very, very disturbing way. They wore no skin. They were absent of fat, muscles, tendons. They were made only of bone, skeletons, three of them. Worms slithered between vertebrae, dirt clung to the white skeletal remains, earthly smells permeated off of them. These three men were stunned, now hardly able to process what was before them. Three men. No, six men. Three living, three dead. dead. I actually like that they're skeletons. I feel like seeing a skeleton walking is almost less shocking to me than seeing just a, a skinned person, you know, just all the muscles and tendons there. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, cause that would be like, preferred. What, what is this? This feels like a violent act of like, yeah, some, something gross. That would be a really good cryptid, just like a skinned. It, we just did it. The boo hag. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's the red and fleshy. <gasps> red and fleshy. Yuck. It's just a skinless, skinless creature. These three living men were now facing three dead corpses, and they had the sinking feeling that they were looking at their own remains. And it varies in different stories. Some say that they are looking at themselves. Others say they are looking at ancestors. But they're terrified, and they look at the corpses and ask what they want. Is this something evil? Something from the depths of hell? No. The three dead stated that they were not demons, but that they were there to criticize their living heirs for neglecting their memory and not saying masses for their souls. They said, while I was man upon earth, pleasures were mine, but now they suffer for it. So basically in reaping in pleasures during living, they suffer in the afterlife. They impart one final message to the living men. You should always be mindful of us. Make your memory be me. The three corpses left and the three living were petrified. They knew in that moment that they had just had a brush with death, that death was disappointed in the living and imparting a warning or a piece of advice to be wary of your living treasures and desires because they are distractions from what matters and that those who have passed have lived to teach us lessons. If we do not heed them, we are misusing our own breath. Basically, death arrived to show and warn these three kings to be better or death will come sooner and that they should fear death and honor those who have died before them. It is one of the very first times that death was personified in story and in art. Wow. It came in the form of a corpse, in the form we associate with what we become after death. Okay, so it's not necessarily saying like, oh, you have to either choose to suffer in life to live a good afterlife or be greedy in your life and then deal with it in your afterlife. It's not really about equilibrium. It's just about finding purpose beyond or, or maybe challenging what could be presented as the greed exhibited by these kings. Yeah. And, and I think there's different interpretations. I just sent you a picture of one of the original. Oh, okay. Um, poems and it came, and their drawings that were with them. I think it's a combination of like set aside your selfish living desires that there is so much more to it than yeah. they're being preoccupied with and also kind of a behave like be good or death will come sooner and death will not be good to you. Yeah, you were given the opportunity to live as a human being to experience this life 
but perhaps you're wasting away your opportunity with the choices that you're making. This wasn't what your soul had signed up for, but it's what you're, how you're acting. Yeah. Huh. Makes me a little scared. I feel like I'm not really scared of death. I'm scared of leaving other people. Yeah. Before I think they're ready for me to go. Yeah, I agree with that. That's what I'm scared of. And this is like, this episode's not giving me a little pit in my stomach. I'm like, oh my God, I better make sure all my choices are aligned. <laughs> well, <laughs> or else it might not be an, an accident might not get me, but the Grim Reaper might. But the Grim Reaper is not a bad thing. I think the Grim Reaper, and we can digest and theorize on this for as long as we want, but like, I think the Grim Reaper is almost like a godly being. It is something, someone waiting for you on the other side to usher you into the afterlife. It's almost like, to me, it feels like a guide. If you've seen The Good Place, right? I imagine it's like, it's Ted, what's his name? Ted Danson? Ted? I don't remember, but I know. Yeah, the the main guy. I feel like that's wrong. So hold on, let's see. Oh, I'm right. Ted Danson. Hell yeah, Sabrina. Ted Danson. It's like no, that makes sense. arriving at his desk, but he just appears a bit terrifying. Right. Because we're making the assumption that the Grim Reaper is this dark, evil entity because we associate it with our fear of death. But what if it is just a good, kind being that comes to help you be less confused and bring you to where you're supposed to go so that you don't end up haunting Earth for eternity in this confused state? So maybe it's actually one of the best encounters you could possibly have with the paranormal. Yeah, I mean, imagine dying and no one being there. It's just you in a void. Like that's that's more terrifying. So, and also keep in mind, we created the imagery of the Grim Reaper. Maybe perhaps we had experienced it and like then put it into text or whatnot. But I do very much believe, and I feel like we've talked about this a lot. I believe there's an element of our afterlives appearing in the way that we believed in it to be in our living lives. Mm-hmm. Like we have the power to create it almost. It exists, but we visualize it and and conceptualize it. And then that's how it exists for us. And we've heard near-death experiences like that. I don't know. It's very confusing. But I don't, I think the Grim Reaper has a bad rep is basically what I'm saying. I agree. I agree. And you've previously expressed your desire when you pass away to be able to haunt for a while and then potentially being, you know, on some sort of position where you're almost like the board of directors or something to help with the hauntings, to help with like the secrets of the universe, to, to just kind of manage whatever needs to be managed. I would like here, I'm pitching it now. I would like to raise my hand and volunteer to be the or a Grim Reaper. I feel like I'd be really good at helping people. I have a theory that I was going to get into later, but why not? Let's do it right now. I believe There's a part of me that believes the Grim Reaper is actually ourselves. Ooh, spooky. Everyone has their own Grim Reaper and it is your own soul. A version. Well, that, oh my gosh, now my brain is in a million pieces because now I'm thinking about like, what even is our existence and our consciousness? Like when we live a life, are we, is it a fractured piece of us that's living this life? And could we be in multiple places at once and live multiple lives all at one time? But then to that, what is time? Because if it's not linear, we could be existing in multiple different, we like, we are constantly existing. Like we're a ripple. Yeah. Because this is, this would suggest that we're not, oh God, my mind is breaking. (laughs) It's like, we couldn't be entirely whole. We would have to be different 
we'd have to be broken up into different pieces unless there was something with a ripple of time where we could be whole, but in the same spot at multiple times. But then if we are broken up, or even if that is the case, could we all just be one collective consciousness splintered off and experiencing life in many different ways, but we're all one being? Oh, we are. I fully believe we're one collective consciousness. Fully believe it. I think the universe is one. There's the belief of the universal consciousness. Like I believe... And that's why I believe in like why soulmates are such a powerful thing is because there are certain other souls that make your soul feel more whole because together you're so much more connected to the universal consciousness. Ooh. So we could go on and on and on about theorizing about death. And this is why clearly we have a fear of it because we don't know. But I very much believe to my desire to be a Grim Reaper like you or on the board of Grimming and Reaping. Grimming and Reaping. (laughs) Board of Grimming and Reaping. I love this. (laughs) The board of Grimming and Reaping. Classes in session. Classes in session. We are introducing a new CFO today. Her her name is Corinne, and we've chosen her to manage our finances because... Excuse me. What about me? Well, I'm the one that's bad at math, so it's more funny because it's it doesn't make any sense that I manage the finances, but I, I get to. I manage the finances, which means it's all fully based on girl math, and that's it. Girl math. Girl math. Girl math and girl dinner. Girl math. And, yeah, you're the, you can be the head of dinner and everything else. <laughs> I want marketing. I want to do <laughs> you can be marketing. PR. Perfect. PR. What this else is, do you guys want? Because there's enough for everyone. Here's the thing. I feel like I'm already doing my job because this episode is like reframing the the public persona and depiction of death. You're marketing and PR. Yeah. And you're the you're the face. You're the spokesperson. You're the face of grimming and reaping. And I teach people how to grim and reap. Yeah, perfect. Okay, love it. Love it. I wear many. I give you unlimited resources and finances (laughs) for to complete your job. You're welcome. And I know this like we're kind of joking and having fun with this, but I truly mean it. Like I think I would excel in that job so well. So I almost feel like I was born to die. And I'm not saying like, hey, let's die really quickly. (laughs) But I'm ready. This episode is your resume. So when you pass over, (laughs) just say play episode 200. Whatever. My cover letter. One ghost. (laughs) Okay, so since the story of three living, three dead, and even before that, we have had so many different appearances and forms of death. It has changed shape, forms, visuals, tones. It can appear peacefully. It can appear to warn. It can appear terrifyingly, but it appears. And the personification of death has been around for centuries and has been a way for the human race to come to terms with death, befriend it. And if you can put a face to it or a visual, a shape to it, it's less terrifying. Maybe. Maybe. Different cultures and countries have different names for the visual representation of death. There are great gods associated with death. There are saints, more feminine representations, more masculine, some simply skeletal, others cloaked, hidden by shadow, but they all serve a similar purpose, to force the living, to face our mortality, and then to usher us into the afterlife. So this is a fun word, so I decided to like just find a way to say it. These beings are generally categorized as psychopomps. Psychopomps? Psychopomps. Pomps. What does that mean? What's the breakdown? So I don't know the like, I didn't do the like language breakdown, but it's creatures, spirits, angels, demons, deities who escort newly deceased souls from earth into the afterlife. So there's, I think psychopomps is like the overarching category. And then there's a bunch of things that 
fall into it. Grim Reaper being one of them. I like it. I'm aspiring to be one. Yeah. I'm going to put this on my like manifestation mood board. <laughs> just a variety of death. Yeah. I'm going to just put like age 98 to make sure that I don't die before then. And then put just all pictures of all of these creatures. Let me become this. Let me evolve. Well, I'm going to tell you about a few of them and then we'll get more into like the nitty gritty of the Grim Reaper. Okay. So Karen in Greek mythology is not a Karen in today's terms necessarily. It's very different. It's a Greek god who helped souls cross over the rivers of the afterlife. Oh, man. Valkyries was a Nordic goddess who flew over battlefields and chose which soldiers would live and die. And so they would swoop down. There were many Valkyries. Um, They would swoop down and basically pick the souls who would die and they would take them to Valhalla where they would wait for the epic battle of Ragnarok, which is interesting. Like this one, they would like pick people to die and then bring them to another battle. Hmm. But this was specifically about battles. Mercury was a Roman creature who guided souls to Avernus, a crater in Italy that was believed to be the entrance to the underworld. Then there's the Banshee, which I, did you do an episode on the Banshee? That sounds familiar. Could we've have. talked about it. Yeah. We've talked about it so many times. It might have just been like a, you know what it could have been? It could have been like when we did like a Friday the 13th episode or like one of those specials where we we're just like a quick hit. Like here's a paragraph on on something because I feel like we've never done a deep dive, but I definitely remember about. Yeah. I remember talking about banshees quite a bit. So they're in Irish mythology, a female spirit who, according to legend, should you hear her haunting wails, you should expect death to visit soon. Hmm. This is my favorite. Pesta. Pesta. She is a Scandinavian psychopomp. <laughs> Just a Scandinavian psychopomp. It literally sounds like, I feel like you're describing a dominatrix, doesn't it? Like, I'm a Scandinavian psychopomp. She kind of is a dominatrix, if you're into this kind of thing. I feel like instead of like Vanderpump rules, we should do psycho- psychopomp rules. And it's like all <laughs> the, the creatures of death. The drama. Forget Bigfoot the musical. This is going to be our debut onto <laughs> onto the theater stage. Well, can I? I want I psychopomps. Call, I call playing Pesta because Pesta. Okay, great. I'm going to send you a picture of Pesta as well. This is Pesta. This is Pesta. Pesta. Oh. <laughs> is beautiful. I love her. She. <laughs> you can be her. That's fine. Thank you. Pesta is a haggardly old woman who carries a broom or a rake. And here's the thing. I want to do a whole episode on Pesta, but this is the most important thing to know about Pesta. If she is seen in your home carrying a rake, it is an omen that someone in the house will soon die. But if Pesta is seen with a broom, it is an omen that everyone in the house is doomed to die. (laughs) Are you going to have a musical number if we do... Uh, Broadway as Pesta? Are you going to give her one? Oh, yes. And and people, and okay, this is the background dancers are going to have brooms and rakes and I'll get to like certain points and I'll like raise my hand out and someone will throw me a broom or a rake and I'll be like, ah, rake, just one. I love it. Only one soul just today. One. one, one for me. I love this. And I think that we should take inspiration from that old show Stomp, which I don't know if it's still happening, yes. where they only make music love. from objects and there's no actual music happening it's all from the brooms and from the from the rakes and from everything else that's around you that's your whole entire number i love it her boobs also hang low to the ground and they sweep the floor and they are also a part of the soundtrack oh and everyone wears invisibility cloaks so it looks like they're all just moving around like all the brooms are just by themselves (gasps) this is great 
my job, I'm giving my job myself a job and I don't know the characters yet, but I think I'm committing to being in the orchestra pit because while it's going to be stomp for your number, which will be very impactful, I think the rest of the musical might have some music, but I want the rule of my orchestra pit is that there is no firm music. There's no score. It's like jazz. It is all just based on whatever interpretive dance I choose to do at the time. So we never know when the music will start in the show or how it will be. Your version of orchestrating is interpretive dance and your orchestra has to read. They have to match the vibes. I will say. Always be alert. I no think breaks. I'm an excellent interpretive dancer. Oh, okay. Well, then you. Go, why don't we just put you when you're not in the scene? You can do that. Okay. What if it's a one-man show? Oh, man, the broom's in the background. <laughs> okay. Why don't we put you in the show and I'll play you and then you play this woman? <laughs> okay. I think that'd be fun. Okay. It's all about Great. my journey to wanting to become a Grim Reaper. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like, we don't want you. Here's the lesson <laughs> like, I'm I learning. I brought my own broom. <laughs> it's so sad. The lesson I've learned is I want all of these creatures to love me. And you know what? Actually, this is really sad. You know what I've learned? I just want to be loved so bad. You are. And well, I want love. I want love from all these creatures. And they're trying to tell me you need to love yourself first. You want universal, unconditional love. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to be held. Oh, man, that's the deep like meaning of the show. They'll hold you in death. But in life, you have to learn to hold yourself deep fucking shit <laughs> all right let's get dark again okay the grim reaper here we are the grim reaper is one of the most common mythological and personifications of death and in the united states specifically it is kind of primarily what we associate with the visual and imagery of death it is endured time in the way that living cannot but where did the grim reaper come from and how did the reaper come to reap? So actually, I'm really glad we talked about a musical because when I was, you know, looking into the Grim Reaper, I was very much like, I feel like this was someone like a costume designer or like storyboarding and creating death because the Grim Reaper has a costume. It is often cloaked in darkness, adorning a hooded black robe, carrying a scythe to reap the human souls. I sent you a picture. We'll insert it into... Okay. So this is revealed at the end of act one in the musical number, Reap Gonna Reap. Reaper Gonna Reap. reap. Yeah. It's a terrifying visual. And it's like many scary stories of entities in the night. It is darker than dark. Facial features are unclear. And you can feel that it is looking at you. And traditionally, its presence is often a warning, an impending doom, an omen of your own death. And this is the most duh sentence of the entire episode. But we have been dealing with death since the dawn of time. There are many death practices that have come and gone. There have been beliefs in good deaths, which we talked about a lot with National Park After Dark in the episode when they were on our show. There were death rituals, reading rites, burying the dead, cremating the dead, burning the dead. The list goes on. And I, it, you know, it changes based on your beliefs, your practices, where you were born, where you live, etc. But in the 14th century, death took on a very terrifying toll. Literally, we've spoken about this in many episodes. During the 14th century, Europe was dealing with the world's worst pandemic, the plague, the Black Death. One third of Europe's entire population died due to the plague. Jeez. Day after day, people were falling ill, succumbing to death. There were bodies piled up in the streets. 
cemeteries were overflowing, bodies had to be moved due to overcrowding, and with so much death came a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, and it was only natural for people to want to create some type of image to portray death. And it was during this time that a lot of famous artists started incorporating death into their artwork. And I was trying to look up like, where does the tradition of wearing black come from Yeah, to funerals? And I read a lot of interesting things. So since early Roman empire, people would change out of their white togas and into a black toga to mourn and show respect for the dead. But then I was looking and there's some exceptions. In the medieval era, okay, well, this is not an exception, but in the medieval era, widows would wear black to symbolize their mourning. But then in the 1500s, a lot of, I think it was like French and Spanish queens would wear white in their deepest mourning period. So I'm not totally clear where it comes from or if there's like a specific superstition. Interesting. But I feel like I read this somewhere a really long time ago that black almost symbolizes death and like, white has white in color has more vitality so it's disrespectful to wear colors of vitality when mourning whereas black is like you're associating and respecting the one who passed yeah well okay so wait what what was that woman's name that you you showed us the picture of that you'll be playing in the my musical? lady pesta yeah pesta did the depiction of her did that come before the grim what we know the grim reaper to be or was that I think after so. i think so because she shows her face. Yeah. But she's still wearing black and she's very similar. But she does her... <laughs> Sorry, this is probably not an appropriate comment to make when we're talking about death. But now that I'm looking at the picture of her again, her expression kind of looks like, you know, when you see a dog that's going to the bathroom and it looks over at you and you're like the stranger and it's looking at you, looking at it, take a poop. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like shocked and startled that you're there. And but then you lock eye eyes contact. for a really long time. Yeah, that's what she's giving me. But yeah, it is interesting how it's whether it was whether Pesta, if I saying her name right? Yeah. Whether Pesta was an influence or not in the way that we've made the Grim Reaper to be, it is interesting that it seems to always have been, or at least for a long, long time, a black cloak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like we associate death with darkness. And I I feel like the one thing we're also afraid of is nighttime. So like it's like an unknown, a something that's lurking in the dark that you can't really see. So it makes sense for it to be cloaked in a black robe. True. But then also during the plague, a lot of religious men would adorn their black robes and hold burial proceedings in the night. So they would bury masses of the deceased people at one time. So if you looked out your window late at night, you would see these religious people with their black robes, the hoods over and doing these proceedings. So I think that also became associated very much with death. And therefore death was given a wardrobe, black hooded robes, something that could shield its face and swallow up whatever the interior body was, making it mysterious, ominous, and amorphous, which is, I would say, a description of death. It was given physicality, the skeleton, because when one dies, they decay and all of their and all that remains are the bones while everything else dies and decomposes. The skeleton is the one part that remains. And then the scythe. And this is interesting because during this time, the scythe was a new tool in the corn harvesting world or like harvesting generally. And it became like super popular because before that time they were using sickles and sickles just took a lot more time to harvest crops. Whereas the scythe, you just do like one sweep and it like chop, chop, right. It became trendy and everyone was getting their hands on their scythe. 
and farmers basically could hire less laborers. But here's what's interesting. So scythes were really long. So in order to operate them, you had to be like a tall, muscular, it was very masculine tool. And they were called mowers, people who used scythes. And the people who used sickles were actually called reapers. So someone didn't fact check correctly when costuming the Grim Reaper. Yeah. But to be fair, Grim Mower doesn't really have the The Grim Mower. (laughs) The mowers be mowing. That feels like a dad's Halloween costume, right? Just like <laughs> late, like they're they have to bring their kids around trick or treating, and they mm-hmm. grab their like John Deere ride on mower and attach a little wagon on the back and just like drive mm. it around the neighborhoods. So they don't actually have to walk their kids around. Just <laughs> put on some black. I'm the grim mower. Okay, I'm in costume. Everybody, leave me alone. Yeah, but that is basically the, the how the Grim Reaper got its appearance. He was given his tool to harvest human souls and pluck them from earth the same way the scythe plucked crops from fertile ground. It was now used to pluck souls from life. The Grim Reaper began to appear in all facets of life and was documented documented in literature and in art. And the title Grim Reaper first appeared actually pretty, it's kind of modern, 1847 in the Tombs of Christian Devotion, a it, the book called The Circle of Human Life. Grim, uh, that word itself means fierce, cruel, savage, harsh. So the name itself is more modern, but the Grim Reaper has found a way off the page, out of the canvas. He, she, it, they, whatever it may be, appears in waking life. Many have seen the Grim Reaper, whether it be in the dreamscape or while awake. It is generally agreed that witnessing the Grim Reaper is a bad omen, a warning. Seeing the Grim Reaper in your dreams could mean you are stuck, wasting your life, or dealing with a hardship. It could mean death is approaching, your dying day is upon you. And if you're interested in like reading about like dream analysis, there is a website that I was reading and there was one thing about it's like if you dream about kissing the grim reaper it means you are fearless and you don't give a damn <laughs> oh, <laughs> interesting yeah did you dream about kissing the grim reaper I haven't because not yet not yet not yet but I found this show called psychic kids and I think this episode was three years ago I think it's an A&E show Sounds up my alley. A young girl, nine years old, her name was Kaylee, went onto the show to document her experiences. Since birth, Kaylee had been seeing spirits and then she started to feel a bad energy and started having dreams of a six foot man in a black cloak with a disguised face. She knew that when he came to her in in her dreams, that it was a warning that someone was going to die. She was terrified. Like she... She felt very, very drained when this creature would appear. But despite her fear, she named him the caretaker because she knew that what he was going to do was take souls to heaven. And then there's a video I watched on YouTube and she like very seriously, like just looks at the camera like deadpan. The caretaker is going to take the soul to heaven or let her rot in the ground. That's where hell is. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that, child. So basically... We we love the message. We love the creepy kid message. So basically, in Callie's understanding, the Grim Reaper or the caretaker, as she calls it, 
appears to usher a soul who is deserving of moving on to the afterlife and guide them. Or if you are not, if you are going to hell, it will be there when you die and kind of like, haha, watch you rot in the ground mm, to laugh at you. Okay. I love that about the Grimm. I love that's a good reaping right there. I approve. It just makes me so curious about the afterlife too. Like if there is a distinction between a soul getting to move on and not how that's like what happens to the soul. Is it just like completely obliterated or is it left behind or does it experience something horrible for a time bound amount of time? It's like, okay, for the next hundred years, you just live in this darkness so that the next life, maybe you can live it a little bit differently the way that you were intended to. It's a really good question. Ah, God, what is life? What is death? We do not know. So Callie once had a dream of the caretaker, but this time he was with her. So in her dream, she saw the caretaker with her aunt and in like very death eater fashion, she saw the caretaker sucking life out of her aunt and she herself felt like she was dying. Like little Callie was experiencing it. At the end of the dream, she saw the caretaker and the spirit of her aunt like pass over her in like a shadowy form. And oh my gosh. she woke up and told her mom this. And three days later, her aunt died. Okay, here's here's something real quick. You know how previously we had a listener tell us that they had a demon attached to it, attached to them and that it would eat all negative emotion. I wonder if the Grim Reaper, what you see it sucking away from someone isn't necessarily their life, but perhaps it's their fear of death so that when they do cross over, it's less scary and it's easier for them. That's interesting. Because so many people say like in people's final moments, there's a peacefulness that washes over them. Yeah. I also imagine the soul leaving the body leaves the body in peace in a weird way. Like, mm. like it's like a final like goodbye to your body. Thank you for the gift you gave me for all these years. I now must leave you behind. Yeah. So what did Callie say? So Callie, her aunt dies three days after this dream and this is really sad and, and interesting because Callie almost, when we've heard this a lot about like people who have like psychic abilities, that they feel very drained after using their abilities. So Callie, after having dreams like this, feels intense side effects. Like to the point where nine years old, she has this experience. She's in bed, bedridden and ill for three days. Jeez. Almost like a part of her did die and she needed to recover. Yeah. It does make me wonder if that happened because Callie was so in tune that it was very draining to experience that and to be around that sort of energy. Or what if her and her grandmother were some sort of pair of traveling souls? And when you're in a traveling soul situation, that there is part of you that's a little bit tethered. And so when someone else passes on or goes through something, it's kind of like almost like the twin intuition where like you feel it. That's interesting. It, It does physically affect you a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I get I could see that being the case, but I do think Callie experiences it every time she sees the caretaker. So it does feel like it's just drains energy from her. Yeah. Um, okay, Mark Travinsky was a renowned, and I had never heard this word before, Fortean, F-O-R-T-E-A-N. It means relating to or denoting paranormal phenomena. So like basically a fancy word for paranormal enthusiast or investigator or parasite. Should we start calling ourselves Fortians? We Fortian, 
I mean, the, basically, someone goes, what do you do for your job? Oh, I'm a fortune. Yeah. If you, if you know, you know, sort of thing. We are technically because we are denoting paranormal phenomena. That's our job. Yeah. I'm going to say that. I feel like it will it maybe less follow up than saying I tell ghost stories. For <laughs> I just spit everywhere. Because sometimes it's like it's I feel like if you say 14, a lot of people will just be like, OK, because they're they just don't. No. Maybe they feel like embarrassed. They don't know what it is. Yeah. I hope I'm using that word correctly. Like, I don't know if it's like, uh, well, actually, yeah, I read this sentence on a on a page. It was Mark Travinsky was a renowned Fortean. So oh. we are renowned Fortians. Yes, we are. Travinsky has since passed away, but he spent many years documenting paranormal encounters. And in one of his book, he spoke with many people who had witnessed and encountered the Grim Reaper. This is like one little quote from a nurse who worked in a hospital. She said, I was running down the hall to my patient's room so I could relieve the nurse in charge. I ran past this room across from the central floor nurse's station and had run past five rooms before it registered what I saw. I did not believe it. I went back down the hall and stopped at the room and glanced into it. On the bed was a little gray haired lady dressed in lace propped up with pillows. Beside the bed stood this tall figure dressed in a monk's robe with its head covered. It looked up at me when I appeared in the door. His face was a skull with tiny red fires for eyes. His hands, skeletal, were patiently folded over each other inside the dark sleeves. My impression was that he was just patiently waiting for this woman to pass away. See the depiction with like the glowing eyes and everything. It makes it look so scary. It does. You know, it does. And it's one thing for us to be like, oh, maybe the images that we see in art is because that's what someone decided it would look like. But it's another thing when when other people do see it, like if it was drawn from people's experiences that that's what you see, it is kind of a scary thing that that is what is, I guess the same could be said for like angels, the way angels are depicted and how they're supposed to look. They're supposed to be these, well, I don't I don't know how nice they're always supposed to be. I think there's some terrifying stories associated with them, but very, yeah, it is a, they all seem to be very spooky in their imagery, whether they're doing good or bad. So there's an episode of the Twilight Zone. It is my favorite episode. Um, It's one of like the old Twilight Zones. And in it, you are basically in the POV of this, like you don't see any faces the whole time. And the woman, her face is bandaged. But basically the whole idea is like, they unwrap her bandages and her face is beautiful and it's called eye of the beholder but everyone else is like pig faces and they're talking about how hideous she is the whole time so i'm like what if the grim reapers and like the angels who are all terrifying and scary actually think we are hideous we could be i mean we're like gross little meat sacks just floating on this rock yeah (laughs) we do are we are kind of weird we have an organ as the outside of us and it grows shit out of it. Yeah. Humans are pretty nasty. Very. But we think we're we think we're beautiful. We think we're the shit. <laughs> and you know who else thinks we're beautiful? Our pets. Our pets think we're beautiful. Yes, my little angel right here. To wrap up, I have a couple sentences. So these are all stories of the Grim Reaper and personifications of death. We have countless stories from our listeners, countless stories from all over the world of people who have witnessed the Grim Reaper for themselves. It is a message that you will not be in death alone. You will have someone or something to usher you into the next life to show you the way. And this is where I was going to talk about my theory of what if it's actually us, our future spirits coming to guide us into the afterlife. We already Mm. did the whole whoa. 
But I will end with one sentence. And this is a line from our musical, Reaper Be Reaping. And he's famous for this line. He, she, whoever, whoever the Reaper is, we're, we're gonna have many Reapers. And there's gonna be a song and it's gonna be the final number. And it is gonna be called, As I Am, So You Too Will Be. As I Am, So You Too Will Be. Dead. Beautiful. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Bravo. Bravo. And then the Love crowd it. goes wild. Standing ovation. <gasps> Pesta appears with a broom and everyone freaks out because a broom means everyone in the house is everyone doomed to die. Everyone is dead. Enter act two. <laughs> the lights go down. It all comes up and we pretend everyone's dead. How confusing and disorienting would that be if everyone actually thought they were died? Dang, Grim Reaper. Reaper be reaping. Reaper be reaping. I'm not against the Reaper. Me neither. I feel like we were taught when we were children that that should be a fearful thing and a fearful sight. But it also helps that we have a paranormal podcast where we read countless stories that people have with encounters with all types of paranormal, where I think it definitely has not desensitized me to the paranormal, but I think I just have a better understanding of it where... I have a lot less fear surrounding it. And so I feel like I'm walking away with zero fear of the Grim Reaper. I mean, and we talk about this anytime. Like my grandmother who has passed away could show up at the end of my bed and I would be startled. I would be scared because I wasn't expecting it. She's not of flesh and bone, but it doesn't mean she has ill intention. It is just my human pea-sized brain is spooked and we are operating on fight or flight survival, and that is something that logically should not happen. So our amygdala goes, whoa, 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 something I don't understand. The amygdala is a role, is a character in our musical too. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. Every time something kind of unbelievable happens, it just comes into stage and goes, oh, whoa. The amygdala is like the comedic relief character. <laughs> I love it. I love this so much. (laughs) I can't wait for all of our musicals. If only we could sing. (laughs) Well, we can. I feel like I'd be really I like I have the musical voice, like the not so serious. Yeah, I kill at least one person today. I am pasta. Oh, I am pasta. I am pasta creeping down your street. Will I bring a broom or a rake into your home? Really? I think we're just rewriting the musical Wicked. Because <laughs> it kind of already has a lot of the same themes. A lot of the same self-discovery. A lot of the same messages. A lot of the same evil versus good. Yeah. But ours will be great. It will be. We are we are so truly theater kids at heart. <laughs> theater majors for life, baby. Oh, I loved High School Musical. <laughs> I feel like I should watch High School Musical the musical because people keep posting clips from that on TikTok. And I'm like, would I like this too? Isn't High School Musical already a musical? There's High School Musical as a musical. And then there's High School Musical the musical, which is a TV show. Oh. I think. There's just a lot. A musical there's a lot of a going musical. on. Got it. But there's, if people can make High School Musical a musical and High School Musical the musical, then I think we can make Reaper Beat Reapin'. Okay. Reaper Beat Reapin' the musical. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just cast the same 
actors. <laughs> Success. Great. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. Perfect. Okay. I have an email called I Met a Reaper? Question mark. Oh. Hey, Ghostesses. My name is Cher. And to get this out of the way, I've listened for a year or two. Binge episodes daily until your ghosts come for me and I need to take a break. And I'm currently sucking people into the TGOG triangle. <laughs> Love it. Anyway, I recently remembered this experience from a couple of years ago while listening to your podcast. So naturally, I thought that I should email you about it. This story is about the time I potentially met a reaper on the astral plane Ooh. and almost died in my sleep. I honestly have repressed the ever-loving heck out of this memory because for months after this experience, I was terrified to even leave my apartment for fear that I would get into some accident and die. So this is a long one. Final destination type of stuff. Yeah. So for context, I have astral projected in my sleep before quite a few times, and those are just the ones that I know about. And I've had plenty of pretty vivid dreams, but I have never had a dream as vivid and real as this one. It was back at the beginning of 2020, and I think it was just before the pandemic hit and the shutdown started in my state. So everything was fine. Everything was normal. But then I fell asleep. I was in this strange maze of a house with no roof that somewhat resembled my childhood home, but it felt very familiar in a way beyond that, as though I'd been there several times before. To make it easier to visualize, it kind of reminded me of the house sequence in Insidious when the dad enters the further to find his son. That kind of blue fogginess. The moment I was aware of myself in the dream, I was struck with this crippling sensation of fear. There were people in this house with me, and being the empath, even in my sleep, I could feel their fear as well, which only amplified my own. Fun stuff. Anyway, these people were fleeing and trying to hide from something lurking inside with us. It was only when I saw someone get caught that I realized what was happening. Oh, gosh. This one person had been caught by this entity, which I can only describe as a very gaunt man. And by caught, I mean a simple hand on the shoulder. But as I would soon find out, one touch was all it took. One touch is all it takes. All it takes. Falling in love with me. Possibilities. Grim Reaper, Grim Reaping. We're, we're adding some lightheartedness to what is clearly going to be a terrifying <laughs> encounter. Okay. Ugh. I watched as this person slowly crumpled to the floor, and as they laid down, this ball of blue light rose from their body. Imagine a wisp from the Disney Brave movie. Movie references are all I have for comparison, so don't judge me. You too, Corinne. Yeah. <laughs> and this entity raised their hand with the blue light, and it disappeared into the air. I'm not sure how I knew this, but that blue light was the person's soul. I kind of froze, as one does, because... What did I just witness? And this entity had turned its attention to me. Its appearance switched from the gaunt man to a younger, fuller one that was very low-key attractive with facial hair. Again, don't judge me. Oh, I hate that it like morphed based on her presence. Although, is she about to kiss the Grim Reaper? <laughs> is this her <laughs> is opportunity? That, well, that's what he wants. If he's going to suck your soul, he wants to kiss yeah. you. It started walking towards me as I backed away. And then it spoke. You don't need to be afraid. It won't hurt. I'm only here to help you cross. Yeah, fuck that. I'm out. I started yeah. to run, at which point I saw two more human-esque entities touching some of the other people trapped here and raising their souls from their bodies. 
The one that had spoken to me was pulling some Michael Myers shit and must have had some Heelys on because I was running for my life. And here it was right behind me as if it, as if I was crawling instead. So here's what really freaked me out. The entity's form changed again, this time to look like my mother. Oh, God. This is like the movie It Follows. For more context, I have a very close relationship with my mom. She's a very spiritual and light person and we're bonded souls. We've been told that I'm my mom's, quote, teddy bear. She takes me with her (laughs) in every life she lives, which is kind of sweet since my nickname to the family is Bear. That's so cute. She's one of the people my sister and I have gotten hooked on your podcast. So if this makes it on there and she hears this, hi, mom. The entity changes and now its voice is my mother's too. Still chiding at me to just relax. It'll be over soon. Just stay still. Ew, it's like so disturbing. Yes. Then it happens. I feel this electric touch on my shoulder and I see its hand there. I manage to break free and I stumble away, but my vision is getting blurry and it's fading in and out. Another electric touch, more stumbling, less vision. Finally, another electric touch and I collapse to the ground in a dizzy, weak heap. I was begging it to stop at this point, asking why it was doing this to us, what it gains from this. This is the part that sends the chill up and down my spine. It told me that I didn't need to hold on anymore that it was the bridge keeper of sorts and it helped souls like me cross to the other side. It hushed me and told me it would be okay soon as I faded out of consciousness on the ground. I could feel my soul lifting from my body and it felt so much lighter. Just as I was about to give in, beep, 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 my morning alarm goes off. I barely wake up with it. Oh, despite my phone being directly next to my head and on full volume. I can't really describe the way I felt after I'd woken up, but the closest thing I can get is that it felt very heavy, like my body was dragging my soul back down. Kind of like I hadn't fully woken up out of my dream state and it wasn't waking up straight into sleep paralysis, thank God, that's happened before to me as well, because I could move and I could sit up. If I'm being honest, the rest of that whole day was a haze. I remember I went to work as if everything was normal, But all I could think about was that feeling of fading away and how my alarm probably saved my life that morning. I was paranoid for a very long time after this experience because after I felt myself dying in my sleep, I was terrified to die. I thought anything and everything could kill me at any moment and that it would. It would kill me to make up for failing to end me in my sleep. So yeah, that's the story of the time that I'm 90% sure I died in my sleep and I met a reaper. Thanks for reading. So I have a lot of questions because... Well, now I'm like, maybe I shouldn't, you know, continue my journey of astral traveling. But um, in in to say something not so nice and probably a negative approach in the movie Insidious, part of their soul gets stuck on the astral plane, perhaps. Some of Cher's did too. Yeah. I like to think that it just took a while for it to like fully get back into her body. But I don't know. Sometimes I think part of my astral soul, I mean, I struggle severe, like with severe exhaustion. I've been tired my whole life. But now that I've been exploring the paranormal more, I'm like, well, what if back all the way back to age four, when I started having those reoccurring nightmares and was astral traveling and seeing my sister get nearly possessed, what if part of my soul got stuck on the astral plane? And that is why I'm so tired. I mean, it could be. I also saw a video somewhere that someone was saying that they, this woman was having a really hard time 
with exhaustion and she felt like she was sleeping every night and she was like, I'm dreaming, I'm sleeping, I don't understand. And she went through a sleep study and they found that she actually wasn't sleeping. She was hallucinating every night. So she was so tired because she was barely sleeping and she thought she was dreaming, but really she was just having hallucinations while laying down. <laughs> That's terrifying. My aura yeah. ring though, I have the aura ring and it tells me that I have It does good tell sleep. you you're asleep. Yeah. Weird. I don't know, but I, I hope you never experience anything like this. This kind of, uh, this almost makes me think of in the movie Soul, you know, how there's that group of people that are kind of like meditating and they are in the astral plane and they're helping all of the souls that have like pieces of them chipped off and kind of like collecting them on their ship and bringing them back yeah. or forward or, or whatever, helping them move on and be a little bit less lost. Mm -hmm. And it does make me wonder if Cher accidentally found, here's what I like to think. Okay. I like to think that these Grim Reapers are in this field of of people who of corn, of, pieces of, of them have been yeah chipped off and i i like to feel that it's not that they die when they're being touched but perhaps that part of their soul that's been like trapped and tethered and depressed and stuck is being released yeah to to death yeah but it's not like their whole self it's not their whole person it's just like a traumatic piece that has been splintered off you know? Yeah. That's, I know that that's probably not what's happening, but that's what I want to believe. <laughs> you want to believe. And I... Cher found, Cher found herself there, so... I am curious, Cher, about her experience with astral traveling because it sounds like this is not the first time. It's happened many times. Like, is there a pattern? Is it something that she does willingly? Is it something that she has learned how to find a way out of before death comes and, like takes her soul teach us yeah tell us show us the way yeah well so that was horrifying but yeah. Cher did send us a picture to redeem herself redeem a little herself. bit from a a, a horror from haunting my nightmares for tonight um and that is a picture of her cat named <gasps> salem houdini a black cat Salem houdini oh houdini very appropriate such a good one. love yes so we do take pet tax along with all of we the do. emails. So feel free to show us your pet or your cousin's pet or a pet you saw on the sidewalk during your walk. If you like to take pictures of like animals and windows, send that to us. Send that. Send that. Yeah. Here a hawk it. in the sky. And maybe who very knows? pixelated. Just literally anything. Maybe <laughs> you'll find if you zoom into the window, there's an image of the Grim Reaper instead. Oh my God. What if you're like trying to take a picture of a murder of crows in the yard and it's from far away and you zoom in and one of the crows is just looking at you like that picture of uh, Pe Pesta or whatever her name is. Pesta. Yeah. Pesta. Just eyeballs. So scary. I honestly, I think my my spirit animal is Pesta. Pesta. I like her. She's great. I love her. I love that your cast is her. Congratulations on the role. Thank you so much. It's a very exciting thing. It's so great when you get to be in charge of casting because then there's no heartbreak. And I've cried so many times over roles that have not been gotten. Oh, you get every role. Hey, I gave myself the the role and you were like, well, I'm good at interpretive dance. I'm like, sure, then you have it. It's fine. I'll find another one. We can do it together. I'm the ca I'm a casting director. That's great. I like that role. I I'll think be fine. You and I are one, so we have to do everything <laughs> with our feet and arms tied together. Wait, I get do you the best remember role of the Mar? Okay, and it's playing you. This is so weird. There was like a doll I had growing up that 
if you turned its head, it was, I think it was like a Beauty and the Beast doll. And like, it was the one side was the prince and the other side was the beast. And you can like turn the head and like all this stuff. So now I'm imagining you and I tied back to back and we like, I'm Pesta and you're me. And it's like double person. Like we have two parts of ourselves. And so Pesta jumps forward and then Sabrina jumps forward and we have to like do the whole show back oh my gosh i like it and And then then by the end the costume back and forth and it's like it it changes color you know it's like black (gasps) when it's it's pasta and then it's like white or rainbow or something when it's not and then just whoever else will position it where it's like if it's pasta it looks kind of like she's got like a big hunchback but when it's not it just looks like this person's got a big donk we'll make we'll make it look (laughs) like real juicy the hunchback is actually just your head resting on my back while yeah. I'm pesta. <laughs> and then I guess your head has to rest on my butt to make me look like I can, I'm I can do that beauty. for you. I can <laughs> Thank you. Anything for you. We are businesswomen if you cannot yeah, tell. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Where's the scroll? I already packed it away. <laughs> well, if you've encountered the Grim Reaper, if you would like to help us write and create this musical Reaper Bin Re- Reaper be reaping, or if you want to be on the Reaper board with us, let us know. Or if you have any paranormal experiences at all, please email us at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. And a reminder, we are on the road right now. We're halfway through our tour, but we still have plenty of shows for you to come see us. We are in, let's see, we're in Portland tonight when this comes out. We'll be in Boston, Connecticut, New York, Philly, Richmond, D.C., Austin, Texas. Like, we'll be everywhere. So, Check out our website and our social media for tour dates. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, please do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can tell everybody about us. You can follow us on social medias. You can send us your ghost stories at twogirlswonegostpodcast.com. So many ways. You did wait. not say that right. Twogirlswonegostpodcast at gmail.com. There you go. There's so many ways to support us. Uh, like listening. Thank you for listening. Yeah. We love you. Watch us on YouTube watch us on youtube and thanks to our team thank you to christina for editing both the youtube the ad free episode on patreon and the episode that we publish wherever you listen to podcasts whatever thank you, thank you, you. Listen. we love you all thank you so much and we will see you on, on the other, other side, side.